Good evening, you are listening to Three Moves Ahead, and I'm your host, Rob Zachney. Today, I'm joined by freelance writer, John Bolding. Howdy. And we also welcome freelance writer and Three Moves Ahead producer, Len Hafer. Hello. All right, so today, we are returning to Rome. Uh, we are, we've been playing Total War, Rome Remastered. They made it brand compliant, finally. Um, <laughs> and so they put the Total War brand up front. And we've had a couple weeks to play around with it. And before we get into this, I just wanted to go around the room real quick. The first time around for Rome, where did we all end up with it? Did, did y'all have a relationship with it in the original games? Like own release window or did you come to total war later like what's what's our background with this particular game i loved it uh i it was it was my main game for a while there um I, you know i i was a total war fan from the original shogun in rome i just remember being super super hype moment uh you know it was gonna be full 3d it was like unbelievable and it you know it would it melted everybody's computers um and uh yeah i just had a lot of fun with it it was definitely my my jam in in its day uh yeah i was uh pretty deeply attached this was my first total war game at the time and it was also it has the unique distinction of being the first game for which i built a computer like i I needed a new computer to be able to play this game. And I decided like fundamentally that I must play total war Rome because it sounded so dope. And so there it was. I, uh, I went ahead and like built a computer and I got like, I think it, it, w- it was a really expensive card at the time. I saved up a ton of money to buy it. Um, I think it was probably a NVIDIA 6,600. Yeah. I remember like 2004 it- era. <laughs> top of the line video card and i was very proud yeah, of myself for uh-huh. it yeah it was one of those it was one of those games that i remember just the time that it hit it felt like this shouldn't be possible it was like what, what, a computer can do this it's like you can see you can zoom in and see every individual guy and like i've been playing warcraft 3 which has like you know maybe 40 units on the screen in, a, in like a really big battle and going from that to, you know, like 5,000 units on the screen. And, you know, it wasn't like Shogun and Medieval where they were like sprites and you could like tell that it was changing to a different sprite as you were rotating around them. Um, it was, yeah, it was, it was mind blowing at the time that it came out. Yeah, it was, it was a deeply impressive game. And I played a lot yeah. of it at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I don't know if I would have called it like my primary game, but I remember playing a ton of it. I played enough of it to turn on it. Um, really? This was Yeah. So like this was probably the most I've ever been in a total war um, was back to back, like medieval one and then Rome. Uh, that is basically like each of those games consumed out one year or nine months thereabouts of just like intense singular focus. And Mm -hmm. the difference was that at the end of that year with medieval, I was like, damn, this game's terrific. Like it really is. Like I I had a few games like that I lost that were really exciting. Um, Rome was one of those things where the more I started to play it, it was the example of 
me realizing like, oh shit, like parts of this game just aren't really hooked up. Um, and I think the big one was the fact that I started to realize that like I had been projecting a lot into the game where I was like, oh man, I have to defend this province. Like this frontier is looking pretty dangerous. But I started wondering like, you know, there's been a few times where um, I'm not being invaded by people I'm at war with that it feels like they just walk in and like take a bunch of cities and they're not doing it. And it was the game where I started to realize like, Oh shit. Like there's the strategic layer isn't really playing itself correctly. Um, and so it was one of those things where I'd had this amazing time and I played a bunch of like really memorable games. And then at some point, like midway through it, I like had this moment where I was like, what happens if I start not reacting to things? What happens if I just kind of like sit there and like, what is this game actually going to do if I'm not always on the initiative? Like when will it ever sort of put me on the back foot? And the answer was like kind of never. And so it was probably the first game where this happened. I think it happened again with empire where the whole thing kind of turned to ash just a little bit because so much of the 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 connection between the tactics and the um the, the battle scenes and the strategic campaign was kind of an act of imagination and a leap of faith but once you stop suspending your belief it also started to become apparent that like there were major issues with the way the game was uh put together so this was like pretty much also where my relationship with a lot of the modern total war games began to form uh, where it was a mix of holy shit, like I've never seen anything like this, and also really deep frustration that the incredible spectacle that I was getting in like the 3D battles was wedded to a strategic layer that kind of wasn't even where Shogun or Medieval had been, or even close to it. Um, and so that was where my relationship ended up with this game. And so I've always had really mixed feelings about Rome because on the one hand it was, it was incredible. Like I can, I have vivid memories of slowly cycling through all those CDs to install a game and mm -hmm. that title screen coming up uh, with the menu screen with the incredible music and those like silhouettes fighting in like the red smoke um oh yeah absolutely being like this is gonna be this is gonna be incredible and for a long time it was well we're talking like for 100 150 hours it was incredible and then at the end it was a bit like um a usual suspects type moment where like the mug shatters and i'm like oh the whole game was a lie to an extent like that <laughs> that i was imagining i had opponents but really i never did um, and so, yeah, that's, that kind of became a pretty core aspect of my relationship to Rome and probably remain that way until Shogun changed things, Shogun 2 changed things up a little bit. Um, but it made it a little more fraught for me to go back. Cause I've always sort of wondered what, how reliable is my memory? Yeah, no, I think that's a really good thing to say about this game is how reliable is your memory if you're coming back to this game after having played 
so many total wars and have so much design iteration in this game happen since then. It was a big one for me coming into playing this remaster simply because like I realized as I started playing that like the graphics in the game, the remastered graphics looked about as good as I remember the graphics looking yep. when I first yeah. played it. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah, that's a that's a, like a perfect description. Yeah. And it's and it's it's a really it's an almost surreal thing. Cause I know they're, I know they're so much better. I can go and look at it, but in my, in my brain, I'm like, yeah, this looks great. This looks like it just, just exactly like it used to look, but it, it isn't. It's just fundamentally completely changed. And even then they're not that impressive of a set of graphics for what they are. No, they're, they're high resolution, but yeah. Yeah. well, and the other weird thing they did is that they released like the the UHD texture pack is like a separate download but that like, I guess to cut down on file size for people who have the original Rome one on, on their computer. And now they're like, why is it like 30 gigabytes larger? But like, I, I feel like if you're going to do a remaster, why would you separate out part of the remaster that actually makes it look good as you know, a, a, an optional DLC that that was a little bit confusing to me. Um, I completely agree. It's baffling. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think especially because we didn't get to see it by review time. So we, I didn't even know that it was existed. so weird. That was such a weird <laughs> twist in all of yeah. this where it's like, uh, hey, remember those 4K graphics? And it's yeah. like, yeah, well, they're in the game now. And I was like, wait, what? Excuse me? <laughs> And I didn't know because I've been I've been playing it at um you know fourteen forty uh resolution so you know what's that called like ultra high res, um, but not ultra high def whatever that distinction yeah, is. Yeah, I don't but know what it was. Such a weird it was a weird thing. Is. It it was it was just an odd choice uh for for this whole thing, but yeah, I think to your point, John, like I was I was struck by how much this is like exactly what i remember but of course it isn't um and i think one of the big ones is little refinements to the camera like when i go back and i look at my old screenshots of the original rome the incredible distortions that happened as you zoomed in um and like the camera angle like the field of view just caused these models to warp and twist in the wildest ways and that's largely like straightened out now and so the game looks good as you get much much closer to the action uh than than you could before but yeah it's it's a very funny thing where it feels entirely consistent with my memory in ways that are good and bad like for instance uh that strategic map i was like oh shit it did look this chintzy Oh, I think that's funny. It's funny to hear you say that because that was actually one of the things that I looked at and I was like, okay, this is a fundamental improvement from the original. Oh, I, to me, it just feels so excessively bright. <laughs> like I've gotten so used to like these, these sort of moodier maps of like later, later total war games. Right. And yeah. here it's so just like perpetual daylight and just like, cute little models uh on these crude little like like tile maps it's incredible there's there's actually a graphic setting for that believe it or not 
uh, you can you can turn down the saturation on the campaign map. Oh, that's really funny. Right. There's that yeah. offer. It's like you can do the the original, the hypersaturated or realistic, uh-huh. which felt very much like those renders of um, Diablo, like Diablo three, <laughs> like where it's like, no, make it grim dark, make it gritty. And, yeah, and it is very funny to me because they're like, I understand where they're coming from. Their original art direction does look absurd to an extent, like yeah. the lime green Brutii faction. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. Mm-hmm. that's the game. And also, every other game looked like that at the time. Yes. Right. Like, yeah. there was a universally accepted color palette of, of what a faction color could be in 2004, and lime green was definitely on that list. Yep. Yep. Yeah, that's that's true. They were just they were just doing StarCraft uh observer settings for for their camera for their uh faction colors. <laughs> yeah, but it is it is you you go back to this. And it is a the, one of the things that jumps out at me is this willingness to be like bright and cheery that strategy games of this period had and I feel like Right after this game, I feel like that moment ended. Because uh, the next big showpiece, I remember, the next big technical showpiece that followed Rome, I would probably say, well, first, even by Medieval 2, which is basically just like the Rome engine, but like making Medieval in it, even by Medieval 2, they'd already gone for way desaturated. Uh, mm-hmm. They were already like, no, nah, this needs to look a little more Braveheart. It needs to look a little like <laughs> drearier and grimmer. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, well, that was that was right at that moment, the mid 2000s, when like everything just turned brown, like every video game was suddenly brown for some reason. Well, and, like, yeah. yeah. And like Company of Heroes came out and it was like, it's the best looking RTS ever made, which was true. But also it was like looking at Band of Brothers with its sort of desaturated color mm-hmm. palette and being like, yeah, that's what war, that's what World War Two looked like. And so well, that is actually that's what World War Two looked like. Yeah. Well, that's correct. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my grandfather used to say how hard it was to tell uh, different, you know, trees and things apart because it was just so desaturated over there. Yeah. I mean, like yeah. it, those those German uh, field gray was basically. Yeah. Like, uh-huh. It all looked the same. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, like so it's it's so weird that you, you like going back to Rome is also this reminder of. In some ways, it is the first of this. uh coming generation of like strategy games as technical showpieces, but it still has so much in common with nineties RTS faction color uh, conventions where like things are bright. uh, Things are, are colorful. And in fact, the more buildings and units look like a race car bedroom set, the better the game. A race car bedroom set. Yeah. You're not wrong. <laughs> I like I, I want to step in and defend it and be like it. It does capture this sort of paradisical sun drenched Mediterranean image. But also every part of the map looks like that. So. Yeah. Right. To a certain extent, maybe it's just sort of like a, a wish fulfillment thing, like some creative assembly designers are sitting in their office in England and it's just like wet and and gray you know like <laughs> i wish the sun would come out and so the color palette chosen for the game is just you know 
it's what if the sun came yeah. out I, yeah. it's funny when i when i play barbarian invasion uh the battles at least the the overall aesthetic is start to push it a little grimmer a little a, a little darker um that's the game that introduces night battles um where things take on the hue of like the opening battle in gladiator um so it does and and i should also i should also say like having just done a bunch of rome movies with troy for the for the patreon pods like total war rome i would say is like it's yeah it's hearkening to things like gladiator like there's some of the barks are like directly lifted from gladiator like i think your units are always like strength and honor yeah Um, uh uh-huh yeah but it's also trying to look like Spartacus and Quo Vadis and all the old Hollywood. Like this is a Technicolor game. Um, and yeah, it wants to be sword and sandals. Yeah. Right. Right. Yep. It's not, but it wants to be. <laughs> yeah, it, it definitely feels like the, the, the two thousands, 1990s 2000s pop culture imagining of rome come to life where it's it's all the the men were men and honor and duty and drama and uh yeah that 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 sort of aesthetic is an undercurrent to the whole the whole experience well it's this it's this glorious moment before like you had dudes making that and that they're making that their entire like culture comp identity <laughs> um, where it's like, you know, yes, yeah, strength and honor. going to put that in my Twitter profile beneath this bust <laughs> of Pericles. Um, like, and, and, and so this, this game is like, th- this game is beautifully horny for, for, for Rome and sword and sandal shit, but isn't like as, laden with the cultural baggage that starts to crop up around that um yeah yeah but yeah like i but playing it i here here's the big thing for me though um i can say that i said at the stop of the show that rome was a game where i was like hey it's you know way easier than i than i thought it was like it's not it's kind of broken in some ways um i'm not sure it's actually a great strategy game when all said and done Okay, all well, yeah, true, sure. Um, here's the other thing though. I feel like I've gotten better at Total War games, and Rome is as it was. Yeah. Uh, yep. In my in my review, I described it as like going back as an adult to beat up your middle school bully. Um, like Rob, you you're saying that you felt like the campaign was not presenting you with real opponents. I felt that way about the tactical battles. Like they're just, they're so easy to just like rope a dope with the same tricks over and over again. You can turn every battle into can I like reliably just by doing the same like series of like eight to 10 clicks. Um, You can kill entire armies with like two units of heavy cavalry by just like microing them around so that they get confused and then cycle charging in and out. Um, like I had battles where like I, I did, I wasn't doing anything with my infantry lines. So I, I ended up completely losing the infantry engagement. So I just have these four units of cavalry on each wing and I would just clean up their entire army with those four units of cavalry. Like it's, 
it's definitely um, not challenging, I would say, to somebody who plays modern Total War games on like hard or higher. And it's also of of a different era in that first playing this game, it wasn't like I it wasn't like you had a bunch of people you could talk to who were also playing Total War games. You could go yeah. online and talk to people, but it was much harder for someone to precisely show to you and explain to you an effective strategy and how to win. You couldn't easily go and watch a video of someone yeah. playing this game. You could barely look at screenshots of someone else yeah. playing this game. And so, like, once the secrets are out like they are now, sort of everybody knows how to play Total War. Done. I mean, I thought I was a military genius in 2004, but it turns out I wasn't. Um. <laughs> yeah, it's I had forgotten, yeah. though, like. Yeah, it had been so long since I've seen the suicide dive AI of old school Total War that playing Rome Remastered, I was like, oh, I forgot they did this. Yeah, like I forgot they spawned out of the map. And just started like racing at full tilt for like the center where you were and yeah. would just like cavalry in front because you're faster and yeah. just not hold line of battle at all. That's that's another place that they take inspiration from Gladiator is they'll just charge their cavalry to, like directly through a forest too. right into the woods. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, it's um, and I think this is. I think this was also a game that really did showcase uh, and, and I think Total Wars still struggle with this problem, but it struck me again, like playing this, how quickly it becomes a problem. Uh, so as with any Total War, like unit factions have their like powerful units and such. And like, I think Rome and some of the um, like Hellenistic kingdoms have like really like advanced tech trees where they can, both build up larger settlements, but also like unlock like higher tech units. But I think Rome is like, you know, they, they are the stars of the show. They do have the ability to put out the most powerful units. Like it's, I love it. They watch gladiator and it's like, man, these guys fucking rule. Uh, <laughs> so how many flavors of Legion can we get? You got your uh -huh. early Legion. You got your Legion. You got your Praetorian Legion. Oh, shit. But if you thought the Praetorians <laughs> were the biggest badasses, you are wrong. Because here comes the Urban Legion. Yeah. Um, straight yeah. from these streets. I mean, it's urban just a cohort. It's just like a straight up uh, like somebody got an Osprey publications book <laughs> yeah. with the different types of Roman legionary outfits through over the years. And they were just uh, like, this is your unit list. Put all these in the game. Yeah. And. And it just how do we balance these? You don't. <laughs> well, it, it, there was no need, right? It's that it's that era of single player balance where it's like, yeah, OK, you figured out the broken thing. Have have a ball. Yeah, I mean, this yeah. is the thing I do not remember. Again, this is the thing that bothered me in retrospect, like after I started to realize the parts of the game didn't really work. But I cannot lie and say that when I played this in like when it first came out, um, I can't lie and say I didn't love just rolling out stacked armies with nothing, nothing but like high level units and just like watching enemy units get obliterated by like two lines of urban cohorts. I just basically, it was just like watching your money 
roll across the screen and just like demolish yeah. everything in its path. I remember uh, Rome one was also the game where you could have a box formation with four units of Spartan hoplites and they would basically kill anything like you were basically invincible. Yeah. If you just had pikes facing four different directions there, there was nothing the enemy could really do unless they had like a bunch of artillery or something. Yeah, that's that's pretty much completely yeah. accurate. That's it that's was, this was, game. It was pre 300, but yeah, the like the Spartans, like Spartan hoplites would literally kill like a hundred to one ratio of, of the casualties that they took. I, uh, yeah, it's, and, and I think it, it's a good point you're making about like, this is just a different era in games. Cause I feel like there's probably more willingness back then to be like, look, people want to see their awesome legions do awesome legion shit. And it was good to see like, this is one of the first games where um, it's really palpable how better unit equals tighter formation, um, more like measured marching cadence, like uh, more special formation functions. Um, yeah, absolutely. We, like you could visibly see that like units would hit those Praetorian and urban co like cohorts with everything they had and lower level units. You'd watch char charges just like smash them. And that, and that, that's still in this game, by the way, the other, the other thing I do appreciate here is that yes, it's cartoony and ridiculous, but also it's a very readable game where like, is a charge mm -hmm. working? You'll know because people are going to go fucking flying. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. It's like, it, it is, uh, like two towers shit where it's like the the horses hit and like bodies are just lifted it's like a kickoff in a football game this is why we don't do those anymore uh because it is dangerous <laughs> uh because people get upended but like it's real cool to see like units just get like flattened by this stuff but then you get those like really elite units and you see them just absorb those punches and you know by that point in the game that like you know how hard that punch is and you just see these elite units just like shudder and then just go to work. And it's like, oh, these guys are unbreakable. Um, and that feels really good. And I didn't care that much at the time that the units were completely out of whack. But I think what did bug me then, and what, which feels way more pronounced now, is that, um, again, your AI opponents, and this remains a problem, but it's it's really palpable here. Your AI opponents have trouble producing advanced units uh, to sort of keep pace with what the player is putting out. They really do. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's a sincere struggle uh, with all the AI factions. They just aren't good enough at the game to maintain an effective army in the later parts of the game. And it's sad because there's cool units available for some of the AI factions, but you're not going to see them most of the time right yeah I, ju I just remember like fighting the same like crap army of like gaulish light infantry yep. over and over and over again for like 50 turns or Gaulic something warband. like that yeah. like yeah. i've killed uh, millions of those guys yeah they're they're just the absolute mooks of the uh of the this envisioning of the era, yeah. 
yeah, to be fair, they they do start the game with that cinematic and explain to you that gulls are bad and you're going to kill a lot of them. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The opening cinematics are. Uh, well, let's thank you for the Julii. All that. <laughs> the Julii. I love this game's vision of Rome. Ah, the Julii. It's great. The red guys. <laughs> oh, man. Did you know, why did why did yeah. Caesar invade Gaul? Because they killed his dad. <laughs> yeah, they killed. They cut out his eye or something. Like I can't remember what the exact. Yeah. I. Yeah. Yes, you can laugh at this game's representation of history, but I'm gonna go to bat on. No, do it as a. As a game, that was dealing with the technical limitations of the era. This mm-hmm. was a fucking brilliant way to show off the idea that Rome was a factious group of squabbling inbred nobility who loved to fuck each other over and were in the end, by the time the Republic was done, in a race to see who could be emperor. I completely agree. I completely agree. Um, I've talked before how I feel like past a certain point, Rome stops being interesting as an agent and it's more interesting as a setting in a strategy game and yeah i mean this is you could call it a primitive way of doing it but the other thing that it is is it's it's very straightforward and it's very readable it's not like like if you go play rome 2 emperor edition right now the civil war is basically like half your provinces are gonna revolt which which ones i don't know could be anyone Uh, oh shit the senatorial army is here who are these guys don't know but there's a lot of them yeah they just popped up there's like a thousand fucking guys that just showed up in campania or something and they're marching on the capital and so yeah i get her better go fight them at rome one like you know you know you're gonna have to fight these guys you know where they are you know kind of where their armies are uh and you know when things come to a head it doesn't feel like you're being blindsided it feels like all right we've been in this race to see which one of us can get the most territory and the most glory uh this whole time and we knew it would come to this sooner or later so yeah no i mean yeah like i think i'm I, i think i am with you on that john where it's like so in some ways this feels like it is anticipating what they're just going to embrace fully with like um three kingdoms right where it's a really stylized personalized vision of roman history where like oh okay the scipii are going to go conquer north africa uh the brutii are going to go conquer greece and the julii are going to go conquer uh like gaul and it's in the marginal places between those boundaries that like things are going to kind of come down to the wire. And it is kind of cool that like, yeah, you are all allies. Like you all start, you're all Roman factions. You are all allies, but there's a point early in the game uh, where you're like, but we might not be allies at some point. And you start sort of building a border, not just with an eye toward how do I expand my territory, but also like, how do I create a good boundary with these other factions? Um, When this fight happens, where do I want it to happen? And they do a good job of building to that moment. I think if if Troy were here, like Troy for years said, like this is the only game that has a really successful end game. Um, And I broadly agree with that. Like, I think, I think three kingdoms solved it by really having that, um, 
like tier like the the tearing up um mm-hmm. aspect where like okay yeah. well now you're now you're empires so now the board is going to get a lot tighter uh for you you can do new things but also uh like diplomacy gets harder that's a really good solution it was also the only really good solution ever since rome's civil war mechanic right absolutely yeah. The other thing is that I, I noticed is that the like the Senate missions, which weirdly only Rome gets them. None of the other factions do it. It it really feels like a game where you're supposed to play as Rome and yep. the other stuff is included as like, OK, y- you know, in the original game, you actually had to beat them before you could unlock them to play them. Yeah. And it feels like a like a bonus mission Um that that kind of went forward. Those Senate missions went forward to just become a core part of Total War to like every faction and every total war game has them now but one thing i liked about rome one that i think is missing in the newer ones is the idea that these missions are coming from somewhere there's like a political context to it as opposed to you know warhammer 2 it's like uh yeah uh the here's some side objectives and do them and you get some money uh it doesn't really represent anything within um the world the way that the the senate missions in rome one did right yeah i completely agree it's a it's a very like it's a narrative way to implement the sort of abstract game concept of giving you missions Mm -hmm. even if it and you know there's just so many things in this like the senate missions that just don't really work in retrospect like the senate missions they're just going to give you missions to do random shit like yeah i I signed a trade agreement with the greeks last turn and now this turn because the broody i are at war with the greeks now the senate's telling me to go blockade a greek port right it's gonna do a lot of stuff like that yeah yeah so i think though there's um i think rome also I used to hold this against it for being like, okay, the other factions are just way less developed. And in the case of like the Gauls, that's literally true. Where like they have a ceiling they hit earlier because they're kind of meant to be a barbarian kingdom that really can't go vertical the way the Romans can. So like if you're going to conquer the world as Gaul, you gotta keep the you gotta keep the train rolling. Um right. but it kind of bothered me because like it also meant those factions would become less interesting faster where it's like, okay, well, uh, I guess we're all up. (laughs) We're full up on like longhouses and like chieftains (laughs) huts and shit. Uh, so I guess, uh, I'll take the improved burlier spear guys, uh, South to Italy and conquer with those. Um, and it may be less bad with the uh, Hellenistic kingdoms, but, for a long time, I was like, yeah, Rome isn't really interested in the other factions nearly as much, particularly like the barbarian, uh, like the, the, the Germanic and uh, Gallic factions. But we've had like 15 years of Rome games since then. And it seems like in general, strategy game designers are like not sure what to do with the 
like historical determinism around Rome, I guess, mm-hmm. where like, I mean, Imperator, it's like, okay, well, Rome was kind of boring to play in the 1.0 release. Cause it's like, try to not conquer uh, that empire with Rome. You can't do it. Like they're just, they're, they, they so effortlessly uh, just dominate everything. Um, yeah. Like the Rome two, the only real, roadblock that game throws up is like the civil war where like the senate army just shows up they they sort of like uh you know presto changeo and adversary into the game for you uh because there isn't really one on the map to start and so like looking at this now i'm like oh this wasn't just a shortcoming with the game it's like emblematic of the challenge you run into every single time you tackle the rise of the Roman Republic, where on the one hand, people really want to see the legions like surge forward and like conquer the, you know, conquer the Mediterranean. And on the other hand, we also want a fun game. And those two things are kind of intention because like a Rome that doesn't rise no longer feels like a good Rome game, but a Rome that is definitely going to rise feels flat. Yeah. You're completely right. It's, I think that's spot on precisely because it is a fundamental problem with historical game design in this vein, right? Like it's either, it's either a game about alternate history or it's a game about recreating history and it's, it can't be both. Yeah. And I think that it, it, it still goes back to the idea that Rome, like gamifying why Rome is interesting is is this difficult task that kind of goes counter to a lot of, I think, common wisdom in, in, in game design. And you really have to dig more into the internal politics, I feel like, to get it right. Because, yeah, militarily, it kind of makes sense that they're not you know, there, there's nobody that's like super competitive with them on that front, at least, you know, later, later down the line, especially. Um, and so it's, it's really portraying the, the internal challenges is what I find to be the most interesting part of, of this, this era. If we're looking at Rome specifically, and that's harder to do, especially back in 2004, you know, when we didn't have, as much of a um, a a tradition of games doing that as we do now, uh, and it's it's just something that it hasn't fully developed yet. It hasn't been figured out yet how to turn that into its own interesting gameplay loop that also ties into and doesn't break the military side of things because it is total war. So you know, war is gonna be the focus. Um, regardless, and, you know, they're getting better at it, and going back to Rome 1, you can definitely see how far they've come with a game like Three Kingdoms uh, in that regard. So, there are also just some major differences in how Total War games were put together back, uh, back at this point that are like, I knew, but I was still kind of taken aback by them. Um, it turns out for one, I vastly prefer the, um, like 
cities and towns model capitals and uh towns model of provinces where it's about like these combo effects that Mm -hmm. really comes into play um because going back to a game where it's like any town if it just hits the population thresholds can just like keep going to whatever your factional max is basically um i was surprised like Oh yeah, you know this is actually way. I don't want to manage these towns this much, yeah. uh, and there's just not much interesting. <laughs> like, is it going to be a money making town? Then you're going to build the money shit. You just keep pouring the money shit in there. Is it going to be a fortress town? Is it going to be like a troop production town? And like those are the kind of the three buckets, but there's not a lot of interesting uh, like interactions happening in the process of development. It's just more like once you conquer a town you pour money and time into it and eventually it becomes important. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah think I, Rome. I was going to say a Rome wanted medieval two were the worst in terms of settlement micromanagement, probably in the whole series. I think it's interesting to hear you guys say that. I, I actually somewhat enjoyed the return to the different style of settlement building in this, where you have to build up sort of, bases of operation that do a specific thing it's too micromanagement intensive and somewhat frustrating but it did remind me after playing so much of total war warhammer how much i liked the population mechanics of old total war where they're making you be concerned with like oh okay am i going And, and it most of this actually really only matters in the first third of the game but it's things like I'm over recruiting from this city and the, therefore the population's not going to grow fast enough, right? Because I'm sending too many people from this specific town or city off to die in war. Uh, that stuff I find an inter- to be an interesting set of decisions. How it's implemented isn't always that interesting by the end of the game when you've sort of hyper-specialized a bunch of these cities to do a specific thing. Um, but I do like the core concepts of it i do like the population stuff i do like that it models because so many even modern strategy games don't model like okay where are these troops coming from like what what's happening to their farms while they're gone and well rome one doesn't have a very in-depth model of that it at least somewhat you know gives you an economic trade-off for uh for doing that yeah right like there's a there's a cost to just building as many high model count infantry units as you can i uh i thought i would like it more than i did i just because the weird thing is when they introduced the system in rome 2 it bugged me because it constantly felt like um i was butting up against just really artificial constraints like for some reason they didn't feel it didn't feel good. Like with Rome two province development often felt like this choose the way in which you want the game to screw you. Right. Um, and, but I think they've refined it a lot since then over the course of like a series of games since then. And playing this, I was just kind of struck by um, just how cold it, it left me uh, just in terms of it not making it like it, it it felt like town management wasn't really um it just didn't present me a lot of interesting things to deal with and once a town had sort of like hit its max cap for a while 
it just went onto the back burner and just became uh you know kind of a uh a money a money tree or whatever um i will say though i did i did find myself enjoying the return to having to reconstitute units rather than just being able to like have them replenish automatically um right. i liked this notion of like armies just shrink as they advance they just mm-hmm. do you can't you can't sort of check up and like have them just slowly like rebuild in a province that you've conquered and then like resume the march and they balance that well in the in later games like if you are trying to sort of blitz a bunch of territory in like three kingdoms you will run into this problem of like you just can't sustain uh that advance but here it's very literal like every single battle just leaves you weaker and so it you do have this feeling of like okay if you're going to invade asia minor for instance or if you're going to send the the troops across into greece or the balkans um you better send a lot because every single engagement that entire punch you'll just watch it kind of like whittle away until you basically got like a really depleted core of badasses but not really an army anymore and uh if you want to fix that you can either re-up on like the garbage troops you can recruit in the cities you've raised (laughs) or you can put those guys back on the boat send them back to the empire proper and rebuild them there and like and replenish but that's going to take a ton of time and a ton of money and so that is something i i I did find myself enjoying where it's like no unless you physically leave off your attack your army just gets weaker like until guys go home to rebuild the army just sucks with every battle it fights yeah or you do the thing where because you don't need a general uh anymore you can literally just have like a pawn on the board that's a single unit of legionaries you can continue trickling (laughs) like these reinforcement units across the map you can uh, march up a relief army and i i love Uh that about this this model which is that you can have the sort of experience of like well i really want to send reinforcements but I'm going to wait another six months until there are a thousand or so guys in the reinforcement army, because if I send them, you know, two and 300 at a time, they're really likely to get ambushed and killed by an enemy army. That is fun gameplay to me. Mm -hmm. That isn't really that present in a lot of later Total War titles. Yeah, well, and it also let you do things, which I guess this gets this also gets a little too micromanaging in the late game. But you can you can set up custom garrisons for places that you feel like need them, or you you control like the exact troops you want in that garrison instead of you modern total war. You build a building that gives you more garrison troops, um, to to kind of cut back on the number of stacks you have on the map. But uh, yeah, it was nice to be able to just have like, okay, I'm just going to train a bunch of archers and send them to this city because I I know it's going to get attacked. Yeah. And the the sort of feeling that, you know, no, we don't have a large force garrisoning the heartland of the empire because we absolutely don't need it. Mm -hmm. Right. 
Well, one one thing that is actually different here that <laughs> John, you were talking about model counts is they actually added a, a larger um in battle army size setting, uh, which I think was you were pretty much I, I was I was like yes when I read your your write up about this that like I wish that that was more the direction that they would go. <laughs> yeah, I was series. thrilled, right? Yeah, like I, as opposed to higher unit fidelity, like they look great, they look fine already. We haven't changed the actual army size since. Yep. Really, Shogun Two. Really yeah, it's, Shogun Two, maybe. So and yeah, and you can't appreciate that fidelity most of the time. Because right. there's too much to do. I uh -huh. never see these battles zoomed in. They they pour all this effort in for the sake of promotional screenshots that uh -huh. like anyone who plays Total War seriously gets to enjoy like brief snippets of seeing epic shit happening at the ground level. But unless you load replays, which sometimes I do, like I've had some right, had right. Some epic wins. Don't, let me like there's some good shit happens in Total War games and it's fun to see. But yeah, it's. I would much prefer to see map size and unit count increase because I feel like the next step I would love to see with this is. I think one of the things, like the reason their transition to Napoleonics didn't really work is because their scale is so limited. Limited doesn't Completely feel at all agree. like Napoleonics. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The, the battles in yeah. Empire are like a joke, right? It's like, yeah, it's what, downright silly. Napoleon's looking. army of 5,000 men is going to march upon Moscow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like you, you play, you, you play um like the um, Scourge of War games or something. And those are sprite based. They're crude. And they feel like, my God, these battles are so huge and so unwieldy because like they just spread out everywhere. Like we are fighting over a significant portion of a county right now right um and They're massive yeah and and so yeah i would i would also love it if yeah their direction hadn't been how do we keep the same structure of a rome total war battle and just keep making the dudes look better and better and better and i think that's i think i can give warhammer an exception to this because like it's a tabletop game those battles probably should feel tight and constrained mm -hmm. sure go for it but like nah yeah, you want you want more like the Warhammer fiction, just the want, lines extending to the horizon. I want Warmaster, which would be the uh, <laughs> eight millimeter scale Warhammer from the late eighties, mid ninety to mid nineties, where you put five thousand models on the table. I mean, that's the like, Chad. That's what I that's want. That's the Chad scale of yeah of tabletop models. It's fucking dope. Yep. I keep trying. I keep trying to play Empire as like this very don't like. <laughs> Pike and shot like using historical tactics in, in Warhammer 2. And it never really works because the army sizes just don't really support it. Like I can't have enough artillery. I, you know, I don't have enough state troops to really like make this checkerboard line that I want to do. And uh, yeah. Also, the way guns work in Warhammer 2 is just kind of weird, but um. Yeah, if they're going to do Empire 2 or Napoleon 2, I'd much, much rather see them like double, triple, quadruple the unit sizes, even if that means the the troops themselves have to look, you know. Just do it once. Just see if you bad. like it. Creative yeah. Assembly, just see if uh -huh. you like it. Doesn't mean you can't yeah. go back. <laughs> That's true. 
It's absolutely real. It's uh-huh. it's just the 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 feeling of having a 5000 person legionary detachment on the field in this game feels like ancients. Right? Uh-huh. It feels like the time period is represented in fiction and in in anything, right? Like I yeah, I'm not wrong. No, here. and it creates it creates tactical situations that are fundamentally different from what we've gotten used to. Like so much of modern Total War with the army size relative to the map size is it's it's a lot of like cavalry shenanigans on the flanks and yep. kind of whoever wins the cavalry battle basically yeah and there's all this wins the map sort of goofy the, positioning that you do in modern yeah. total war games where like you dance the block of a hundred heavy infantry around their block of heavy infantry to try yeah. and get the flank attack or you try and bog it down with another unit and none of that feels like a historical event to me all of that feels like right. kind of silly and, and they've kind of they've tried to experiment with like in Warhammer with like the underground battles or like the world route battles where it's right. like it's just this narrow strip. So you're going to have to go head to head. You can't really do a lot of flanking. Um, and that's yeah, you, it's not to say that the the fights on the flanks aren't interesting or can't happen mm-hmm. in a good total war game, because I think they would be really a lot more meaningful if there was a a significant conflict taking place where your initial positioning really mattered right where you deployed versus where the enemy deployed matters a lot in these epic mega scale rome battles in this remaster where like a gallic warband has some absurd like a single gallic infantry unit has i don't remember it's like 480 dudes in it it's some insane number yeah well and it lets you model more of the the fact that you know certain factions might their strength might just be that they have more dudes like obviously rome has better dudes um but if if the unit size can go up to 400 500 or even more that lets you create more diversity in the different types yeah. of infantry that can be fielded and give you more interesting trade-offs in that regard. Or just give me more Rome porn of the <laughs> hordes of undisciplined Britons dashing yeah. themselves Obviously, against my ranks of legionnaires. They were all naked and they were all just absolute garbage just at fighting. Screaming yeah. blue people with hard-ons. Yeah. <laughs> That is, uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, you described the game I want to play now. <laughs> Just, I wish this was it. Oh. I won't stand for this. As the token barbarian, I will not stand for this. Well, maybe you shouldn't be naked, unwashed, yeah. and those, smelly. Those helmets. Yeah, where'd you where'd you get the idea for those helmets from, huh? Yeah, yeah. Oh, it looks they look a lot like our helmets. That's weird. That's it's interesting. Uh, you can't give yeah. no. You don't get nobody gets credit for helmets, Len. <laughs> well, the specifically the Roman oh, legionary helmets off. were based on Gaulish helmets. That's supported. That's well supported. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. 
I mean, if they if if they want to get naked, that's fine. But you know, they're also <laughs> you do you. It's called the Celtic Iron Age because they were really good at iron. They made some really good armor and shit. They that's had, not what I heard. Yeah, yeah. Well, you've been playing too much Total War, then. Uh, yeah, but I think this is like I think here's the thing. I still don't get it. Like I like Rome Remaster. It was fun. It was fun to go back. Um, but like, I went back most of that as a curiosity, and it was like cool to revisit. I'm not sure it was that much cooler than if I'd just gotten Rome working again, just installed it again, and like played it with the janky old graphics. Like, I, I the improvements are nice, but I think the the thing for me is like, yeah, they don't make them like this anymore. This was mm-hmm. cool, but also it's really outmoded and I'm just like, I think that the thing about this franchise is that they don't do remasters. They do sequels. And I think there's a reason for that. It's because what we want to see is like, okay, let's revisit a familiar setting or like find a new setting, but we're going to adapt some of the new design conventions we're using with this generation of total war games. And here it's this throwback to, uh, you know, really, early days of what total war is and it's cool to see that but at the same time like you know len i don't want to go beat up on my middle school bully as an adult like Mm. i've grown i'm over it um you know and that's and 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 so i think the the thing that kind of put me off this a little bit was it after the nostalgia faded and it was like yeah wow it's crazy seeing all this again I was just kind of buzz sawing through dudes and I was like, I don't know that I don't know that I can keep playing this really. It's so it's like, it's, it's so lightweight. So here's where I, I sort of landed on it. And that was, I think a, a major part of my enthusiasm, but like very tempered enthusiasm for this remaster, which was, it's cool to see this working again without some of the more frustrating bugs and without some of the sort of hard-coded limitations that it had before and in a in a simple and easy way where I can just click it and it works it's good to hear the soundtrack again cuz the soundtrack rules this it's is so this good. is this is hands down the best total war oh, soundtrack so do not at yeah. me on that but it is yeah barbarian victory on repeat for days yeah. here's the here's the trick here's the tick for a certain age of modern Total War fan, this is like a bizarre, funny, probably experience. Some of them will enjoy it and some of them will hate it. And I think you see that pan out in a lot of like the, the Steam user reviews is like some people get it that this is a 17 year old game and other people don't. Um, but this is this is my big brain yeah. on this game. Oh, you've been winding up. I'm so curious what you're about. It's to a do big wind up because I think it's really important. This is the modding platform from which a m- massive number of fascinating mods are going to explode because this iteration of the Total War engine was never as moddable as it is here and now. They gave modders access to so much stuff that they couldn't mess with before, and they've now given them the tools to edit all of it. So you're going to be able to see things like a completely changed campaign map 
being very accessible to any given modder, right? You're going to see a fundamentally different unit roster with a different number of units or a different number of total factions in the game. Whereas before, that was not an option at all for modders. They couldn't go over the hard-coded limit of factions. Mm -hmm. They couldn't change the number of settlements on the map. They couldn't re-sculpt the fundamental map. This is going to be your... I mean, and I may end up eating my hat on this, and I don't think this is a reason to go out and buy the game right now for the promise, but I think this is going to become the fundamental modding platform for interesting Total War mods for the next five to eight years. Because... You can do so much stuff in this that they are not allowing us to do in modern Total War games at all. There are so many things you can mess with, so many levers you can sort of toggle and so many buttons you can press that just don't exist in other games. And so modders can get in here and they can make this Star Wars if they want to, and they can make this... I don't know, three kingdoms, but the version they wanted to see. And we're not going to see that out of other modern Total War games. You know, you know what? Uh, you know what I'm most grateful to uh, Rome Remastered for? What? <laughs> Is that it made me ins- reinstall Attila. <laughs> that's such a yep. good Yeah. Because <laughs> I mean, like, like I, I, I liked the original Rome, but like. <laughs> Barbarian Invasion was really my shit. Yes. Like, I, I, yeah. I loved the also, Barbarian Invasion campaign. Barbarian Invasion, I, still good. Honestly, I should, I should still take good. back what I said. That campaign holds up. Western Roman Empire is in such deep shit, it remains uh-huh. like a Kobayashi Maru but, Rome's, like yeah. a Total War scenario. But then I played like, like, you know, 30, 40 turns of Barbarian Invasion. And I was like, this is just like Attila, but worse. I'm going <laughs> to go reinstall Damn. Total War Attila. Like, yeah, uh, so, yeah, it's 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 hard to recommend it other than for the modding stuff that, that John brought up. It's 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 hard to recommend it against modern Total War. It, they've just come such a long way, even I mean, the grand campaign in Rome, Two, even with all the patches, is still not that great, unfortunately, Um but Attila and like some of the smaller DLC campaigns they've released for it are are pretty legit at this point. Um, they've had enough time to clean it up. So now I'm thinking about Rome too. Getting sad again. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, <laughs> hey, uh, the Augustus campaign, the Hannibal campaign, the Caesar and Gaul campaign. If you haven't played them, still say they're worth a look. All right, I, I'll. Give those a shot. I I, I will say, yeah. like, so we're revisiting this, I was like, I think I still might prefer this campaign to Rome 2, uh, its base yeah. campaign. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, I think it is, I am glad this exists. I am all for, like, archival quality versions of things coming out to sort of, like, make them like just eliminate any sort of compatibility games people have to play to make them like be stable uh, to eliminate the really wonky way these things can display on modern displays uh, or like when you push them past their intended resolution. I am glad this stuff exists. I am all for like these sort of archival grade uh, releases. Um, 
but yeah, I, like in terms of does it give like to, like does it give Rome like a new lease on life? I don't know. I think for me, it's like it's archival quality, and it's going right back in the archives. <laughs> Brutal. But also, I agree. It's it's a game from two thousand four. It's not anything else. But they the gotta modders. release it on CD. It just it sounds better on CD. But you can go pick up a CD drive at the vintage store and oh you know, man, you're killing me. I demand. <laughs> got start making tape releases of these fucking games, uh, and then then we can really have yeah. uh, our like then we can really just vanish up our own assholes about uh, this entire thing. <laughs> All right, so I think that will do it for this week, and that will do it for Total War Rome Remastered. Time will tell uh, whether John's modding utopia uh, takes wing. Obviously, that legacy is is here with this game. Uh, I am curious if if the modding community booms off the back of this release. Uh, this episode was produced by, well, Len herself. Through Zed is hosted on the Idle Thumbs Network. You can learn more about the show and discuss this episode with our community at threemovesahead.net or follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash 3MA. Finally, Three Moves Ahead is supported by listeners just like you on Patreon. This month, our $5 Patreon backers will hear me and Troy finally talk about Spartacus. It's the only time we've talked about just one movie in isolation. And that's because like Spartacus is an intimidatingly dense movie both for like the the types of things we want to talk about when we talk about like depiction of history and particularly particularly how we remember rome uh as well as someplace in film history so uh keep an ear out for that later this month uh check it out on patreon.com slash 3ma we'll be back in i want to say two weeks with another episode of three moves ahead until then for len for john this is rob zachney saying good night Three McConaughey's ahead. Yep. Yeah, that's what I'm. That's what I'm gonna turn the Patreon into. Just, just on no announcement. Just like randomly one day. All right, all right, all right. Welcome to Three McConaughey's ahead. Today we're talking about Lone Star. Oh man, I'm in.